So, the Sens are on holiday, but we aren't. It's episode two. We're learning about an actual decent ladies' night. We're talking about women in hockey, and of course we're talking about the All-Stars games. So, welcome to the Samalnikan Life. I'm Poppy. And I'm Beata. And this is the podcast that nobody asked for, but everybody needs. So before beginning this episode, we would like to acknowledge that this podcast is written and recorded on unceded and unsurrendered Algonquin and Mi'kmaq territories. We would like to urge everyone to inform themselves on the land they live on and how to support Indigenous communities. Heck yeah! So, what have the Sens been up to since the last episode? Not much. (laughs) They have been on a break because of the All-Star Weekend, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. Um, Before the break, they won a few games, they lost a few games... They were briefly not in last place, so congrats to them on that. Big achievement. <laughs> that, like, but they brief are moment. <laughs> back where they belong, in 31st place in the NHL, as we're recording this episode. That's a cozy spot, I think. It's a nice spot. They seem to like that spot, you know? Mm. They like being yeah. bad. <laughs> they do. They do. There are lots of... There's a big race to the bottom this year. Lots of teams around there. But yeah, the Sens are definitely the worst team right now. I guess it'll be good for our draft pick. That we don't have. Oh, yeah. Congrats, oh, Colorado. <laughs> hey, Colorado, you're welcome. Oh, well, heck, I forgot about that. Anyway, well, the one thing that was happening is um, that we've heard about um, an offer being made to Duchesne for a contract. Um, I think it was, yeah, for eight years, around eight million a year. Um, there was a bit of a conversation about this in the fandom um about the length of the contract what we do know is that this contract has not been signed so it was obviously rejected i don't know um it is a bit of a long contract but i find that i think that often if you sign a player to an eight-year contract you usually don't really expect that player to be worth that much money by the eighth year i think you just kind of give him that much money because he's more likely to sign that and you think, well, that's a future problem. So I I think that the Sens really, really need to sign Duchesne right now, not only for hockey reasons, but for PR reasons. Like, yeah. <laughs> they need to satisfy their fans, okay? We need this. So it it's probably a good move to give him all the money. Absolutely. And I think as well, like, people have been really upset about this. Obviously, he's most likely not going to play that entire contract in Ottawa. But I also think that because of the way that Duchesne plays hockey, and this is absolutely a me thing, because honestly, it doesn't matter, you know, like, if you're just a me level expert, or if you've like been following hockey for 30 years level expert, you can never exactly know how a player is going to age. But um, I personally think that because Duchesne's like value really is in his puck handling and his skill, um, he will probably age relatively well. It's not someone who, you know, will become completely worthless once he can't take hits or once he slows down a little bit. Like he's still someone who is just very, very skillful with the puck. Like it makes my it makes my heart flutter sometimes when I see him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like him. We haven't heard anything about Stone or Ryan Zingle recently, nope. which isn't great. The trade deadline is approaching. That will be interesting. Maybe we'll have some nice trades to talk about in the next episode. Oh boy. We'll see. I hope not. I like all those players. I really, really, really like Stone. 
I feel like I'm at a point with the sends where, you know, I don't really care about the results, about what happens long term, but I'm watching because I enjoy watching some players play, and I enjoy watching Stone play, and I enjoy watching Duchesne play, so I would like to continue to watch them play. Absolutely. And there's one thing that I forgot to mention in the last episode, but it's very near and dear to my heart, which is Beau Duchesne. Um, the beautiful, beautiful baby. Like, Matt Duchesne made a gorgeous... He's, like, the perfect kind of baby. He's a little squishy. He's just really... (laughs) Like, his name is perfect because his face is absolutely beautiful. I love him. Absolutely. Oh, he's so so I would die for him. (laughs) He's gorgeous. So great. Yeah, just had to bring up that great baby news. Also, like, obviously, congrats, Matt Duchesne. And um, I love watching their dog interact with their baby because that's so cute. Such a cute family. Oh, my God. Paisley (laughs) is the cutest dog on earth as well. And just they're so cute. I love them. Yeah. So in less good news... Um, Some off-ice stuff. (laughs) So, Mike Fisher, the former Ottawa Senator, he was an assistant captain for a while. I remember watching him play. I'm not that young. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He has been tweeting recently, and not Mm. tweeting very nice things. He recently tweeted something about abortion being murder, Something about, like, how many babies were killed since Roe versus Wade, which isn't accurate at all. That's a very, very misleading statistic. He also tweeted a bit about being against legalizing marijuana, which isn't quite, isn't quite as bad, but it does have some implications there. And generally, I haven't been impressed with his social media presence. Yeah, so actually, um, to come back to the statistic, 60 million is actually a relatively average, like accurate statistic. Um, but what is um, important to note is that abortions at the same scale existed mm-hmm. before Roe v. Wade. Um, they were just happening, un- happening unsafely and illegally. Um, also using the term murder is yikes. <laughs> yeah. um, in many cases, abortions happen because it could risk the health and safety of the person carrying the baby. So um, not Mike Fisher's greatest moment. Um, no. I would really like it if he just went back to being an, a, like attempting to be a country singer um, and supporting, yeah, exactly. supporting his um, sweet wife, yeah. <laughs> Carrie Underwood. Yay, girl. I generally don't expect celebrities and especially hockey players to be good people, but I would rather just stay ignorant about that. You know, I'd rather they just, like, not broadcast what terrible people they are. But I know that's also, I guess, um, that's also hypocritical because I'm not much of a stick-to-sports person. Mm. It's just I don't like when people are expressing really horrible opinions that I really disagree with. I yeah. I would just shut up, so. Mm, I personally yeah. just don't really, I don't like the terminology surrounding it. I don't like the term pro-life because I don't think you are necessarily pro-life. I think you're pro um, making a lot of people's lives very difficult. Um, yeah. And um, I also think, you know, it's not necessarily the place of a man to 
or at least a cis man to um, kind of take over this conversation, uh, especially someone who's so obviously in the public eye. Um, yep. And yeah, just a, just not a, not a sweet thing. He also like shared this very, very obviously fake uh, pro-choice campaign um, mm-hmm. that was like very distasteful and involved like an actual like infant, like an alive infant, um, which is not what an aborted fetus looks like. <laughs> and yeah. um, it was just, it was, it was very uh, upsetting. And also, you know, just like, I don't know. Uh, I just don't like the judgment of people who support choice. So, you yeah. know, um, maybe don't do that anymore, Mike Fisher. But, you know, had to bring it up because yeah. we love a controversial yeah. topic. And also we're people with uteruses. Uteri? Yes, we are. <laughs> I don't know what the plural is. But um, <laughs> obviously, like, it's it's always a little bit upsetting when that kind of thing happens. So um, let's talk about women being treated right, which is the way <laughs> that the Dezingle got engaged. It was so elaborate. I made, I did like that a social amazing. media deep dive. So Ryan Dezingle got engaged. Congrats. Um, so I did a social media deep dive because the pictures were like professional from several angles. There were like rose petals on the floor. It's like happening outside of this mansion by a pool. She's dressed in a beautiful, beautiful dress. Like she's clearly like all made up. So I was like, how is this a surprise? This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then... I did a little digging, not that much digging. Honestly, I just went on her Instagram. <laughs> but it looks like he ganged up with um, some of their friends. And she got this note from like one of her female friends that was like, yay, we're doing a girl's day. We're going to go you know, to the salon. We're going to go get dolled up. We're going to get our nails done. We're going to pamper ourselves. And then we're going to go meet the guys for like the boys that said like dinner with the boys. And... Mm-hmm. In the meantime, like Ryan Dezingle obviously prepared this beautiful proposal. Um, it was freaking adorable. I support it. it. They both look gorgeous. They're having such a great and time. I, I also just really love Dezingle's smile, and it was really cute in those oh, pictures. Yeah. And like she's like um she's a sports uh journalist as well, actually. She Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, she reports on golf. Wow. Um I like stan her i i because i was like oh who is this woman like i want to egg because like she's beautiful and she got this like beautiful beautiful proposal and i was like oh i wonder what she does and she actually yeah she she reports on um golf i think she does it for fox i'm not entirely sure but my favorite thing about her is like she's kind of like a serious like reporter like a sports journalist but every time she has like pictures of herself playing sports you know how Uh, playing golf sorry golf is this very like dressy game you know people wear dumb Mm -hmm. outfits for it she's always wearing the shortest mini skirts on earth (laughs) and looking like incredible she has like a thousand golf outfits and she's always just like being freaking skilled while she's wearing her like cute mini skirts i love her i support her for her yeah she's great so during the all-star break a bunch of the players took the opportunity to go on vacations oh, and yes. that led to some awesome instagram <laughs> stories it was great so much off-ice content i love it yes i love it when they're not playing hockey <laughs> it's so cute that's that's the 
best way for me to enjoy the Sims. <laughs> so yeah, Ben Harper and Brady Kachuk went on a little vacation together. They went to the Bahamas. I'm calling it a brocation. It's really yeah, it's really cute that they went together. I like that. I do too. Um, Especially because Brady's like a kid. He's 19. Oh my god, yeah. you're 19. This is as if we went on vacation <laughs> together, actually. Like, I think I'm like Ben Harper's age. Like, this is as if we were like, let's go to the Bahamas together. We should do that. Honestly, I wish we could. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold here. <laughs> It is. Uh, also, Colin White was Thomas Shabbat's date to the All-Star Game. Yeah, I think that's so just, lovely. They have a great friendship. I like those two together. I, they kind of came into the league at the same time. Yeah, and I just love, um, I love, like, seeing them supporting each other. I love that they're yeah. going on vacation together. How sweet. And also, you know, like, he could have, he could have gone, like, you know, on a proper vacation. <laughs> and instead he went to the All-Star <laughs> Game with his buddy. I think that's really lovely. Yeah, it was. He just, he really, really needed to meet Gritty. Oh, obviously. I think that's probably part. why he's there. Um, if- I, I, I'd skip the, the Bahamas and go to... <laughs> Gritty. By the way, if Not anybody, like, if our listeners can hear an annoying noise in the background, it's my cat. I'm so sorry. He's <laughs> um, participating in the conversation because he kind of looks like Gritty, so... Hi, Louie. <laughs> anyway, um... My favorite content from this vacation time is Cody CC. Um, he posted this hilarious <laughs> Instagram story where he's on the beach. It's this beautiful tropical beach, and there is a, a like what do they what do you call those a chair like one of those like chairs that you lie yeah, down on it's a lawn chair I guess exactly and it's beautiful and it's 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 like tasteful and cute and there's an iguana on the chair and his caption is like oh my god no way I'm going on it with that monster or something like that <laughs> it wasn't even like a really big scary creature it was just like it was a like lizard it was so funny and it's like one of those things where you know that if he went closer to the chair it would have just been like okay bye <laughs> but he's like and oh my fact, god the fact that it was cody cc who was afraid to sit on his chair because of the iguana was just too perfect. I love I it. I feel like there are so many jokes that you could make. And he deleted the Instagram story eventually. Yeah. So I'm guessing that people were just responding like, I don't even know, but jokes about him being bad at defense and afraid of the puck, just like he's afraid of a lizard. or you know, like <laughs> The lizard is lava, exactly like the puck. Um, it was really funny. And then, yeah, like... Uh, I I did a bit of a like like a little bit of a of a dive into social media, but the one thing I absolutely remember is my my favorite iconic family, um, which is the Nilsons. They went to Mexico. They had the most tasteful pictures because otherwise it was mostly Brady Kachuk like taking really bad <laughs> beach pictures. It was really funny. They were always like kind of crooked. It looked like a dad had taken them. Um, it was endearing. It was adorable. It just made me want to be his best friend even more. But. Um, he yeah but then the the nilsons went to mexico and they had this tasteful beautiful like picnic on the beach and they all look beautiful and blonde and tanned and tattooed and their children are gorgeous and wow i love them so much <laughs> so do i they're just perfect i want them I actually them. i don't want them to adopt me because i love my parents but i want them to adopt me <laughs> like i want them to be my not quite Canadian parents because they're both not Canadian, but you know. So Shabbat was at the All-Star game, which we're going to talk about a bit in a minute, but he was great. He did well in the passing competition and he wowed everyone in the shootout competition, which was really nice. It was just really, really nice to see Shabbat get the recognition that he deserves because 
often the hockey media doesn't pay that much attention to Ottawa and they undervalue our players a lot Mm. so it was nice to see Thomas Shabbat who's just like blossomed this year and you know he's been good for a long time but he's really had an incredible year this year yeah just to see him being recognized for that and being appreciated at the all-star game yeah he was brilliant he was really really good it was nice to see his like sneaky sneaky goal get like shared by the NHL official in um Twitter Mm -hmm. and people like being just wowed by his skill that was really great um it was also a great time for Sens fans because all the social media outlets like Twitter and Instagram were sharing these really bad videos of Thomas Shabbat like (laughs) saying hi to the fans but he's just so uncomfortable in front of cameras and he's always just you know like hello Sens fans (laughs) and it's clearly shot on like a phone camera i wonder if colin white filmed it i just realized what if colin white filmed it that would be so funny he just looks really serious and like he doesn't want to be there it's very funny i think it's very obvious that craig medaglia did not make the trip to the all-star game no but we would have better memes i hope colin white filmed those videos that would be awesome that would be so funny yeah shabbat also hung out with carlson which yeah cry um that was cute (laughs) that was that was cute, but also really sad. Yeah. Please, please sign Carlson. Sends. <laughs> announce Carlson. Announce <laughs> Carlson, please. If they sign him, I am right back on Sense. Oh, yeah. And then, right um, of course, all the mascots were, like, sharing pictures with Gritty. We got so oh, much boy. mascot content Oh, my this God. Weekend. Yes. And so one of my favorite pieces of mascot content is um, this video, which I'm definitely going to, like, share on Twitter and um, definitely like sending to you. It was, I think, shared by the Canucks mascot, which is a Bernese um, mountain dog, and the mm-hmm. three dog mascots, which Bunny described as hashtag dog gang, <laughs> <laughs> uh, performed a choreographed like dance, and they were wearing these like plastic hula skirts. It was so funny. Also, I- I'm sorry, I probably should know the name of those skirts, and I don't. Um, and they were definitely not the traditional Hawaiian garb. It was like <laughs> plastic. Um, it was absurd and so funny. The three of them were not in sync at all half the time. <laughs> and it was so good. It was beautiful. I just love mascots. I find them great. weirdly scary, but also endearing. So yeah, it was for good. Sure. And then and we got some group pictures. They were beautiful. Oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to see... Also, what a weird weekend that must be. I feel like mascots hanging out is kind of like a furry convention. Um, (laughs) It's very strange. And I wonder if they just like all at the end of the day, like take off their mascot heads and then they go out for like a beer and they talk about their weird mascot lives. Well, I will say that we are spending a lot of time at the All-Star Weekend in the mascot minute, if you're into that. (laughs) In case you want this to know about the secret life of provided mascots. us with a lot of content. Because, oh. yeah, you do think about that. And then you write about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we have one more piece of yikes news, um, which yep. is... This is a little bit older, but there was a really scary hit by Johansson on Scheifele. If you haven't seen it, he was like right by the glass with Scheifele behind him. And as he turned around, he lifted his stick and hit Scheifele like right on the neck, like slashed his neck. It was scary as heck. 
Um, he only got a two-game suspension for it. Um, it was also kind of odd because Johansson has been very outspoken about not liking nasty hits and like aggressive hockey. A lot of people have suggested that it was an accident. Even if it was, I think he deserved a bit of a tougher penalty for that. Yeah. And also, if that was an accident, that was like really stupid hockey. Like something we should yeah. not see at an NHL level. You should be avoiding those kind of plays. Like, it doesn't matter if it was an accident or not. You have to be punished for that because... Yeah, you have to punish it regardless of the intent. Mm, Otherwise, players are going to know that they can get away with this stuff. You have to make it really, really clear that this is unacceptable because that was a really, really dangerous move. And yeah, it's really, really bad that he only got two games. Yeah, it was uh, yikesy. But you know what? Like, we're definitely going to discuss violence in hockey a lot more on a future episode. And it's just something that, like, when it happens, I mean, I've rewatched that video so many times and it just, my my heart just sinks. Like, seeing that is, that was incredible. And also, I think Scheifele, like, continued playing afterwards. Yeah. Which is, ooh, ooh boy. And that's spooky. not something that you should celebrate as hockey players. Being Absolutely tough. not. Like, no, you, you shouldn't do that. No. Uh, yeah. And, like, the fact is that, like, it's it's good that there's a break right now because he probably needs some serious rest after that. So... Um, yeah, that was spooky. But you yeah. know what's not spooky? We're launching a Patreon! <laughs> yes, we have fully sold out. Yes! <laughs> so, if you choose to support us on Patreon, you can get extended and additional mascot fanfic after every episode. So we will either provide an extended version of the mascot minute, so sometimes we do have to cut out certain parts to fit it under one minute, we will give you the extended version. Or if our mascot minute is under a minute, we will record a completely new fanfic that has nothing to do with the story that we're telling in the mascot minute. So that's for the $5 tier. If you really like the mascot content, you want more of it, give us money. Uh, also, <laughs> you will get a bi-weekly newsletter on Weeks Without a Podcast episode. You can get that with a $5 tier or you can just pay $3 and just get the newsletter. We're going to discuss academic hockey literature, memes, players' goofy t tweets and Instagram posts, bad jokes, and also if you support us on Patreon, we will send you stickers with our podcast logo and a handwritten thank you note because we love you. Yeah, and like I think it would probably be really fun. I'm really excited about writing the uh -huh. newsletter. I've been doing a deep dive into a lot of academic literature. Li oh, sorry literature related to hockey can you tell i'm an academic um, <laughs> and because beata and i are both students we have access to a lot of incredible literature and we also have the time and honestly the patience to deal with academic literature yeah, and we're just massive nerds so we, we are huge do nerds it. it's been so much fun <laughs> to read and I'm just very excited to share some of the insight because you do see a lot of these conversations like being kind of approached on like hockey broadcasts and on like sports radio and stuff. But, you know, sports newscasters obviously have to deal with constant updates and, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of people, including broadcasters and journalists, don't necessarily have time to read like 40 to 50 pages yeah, for sure. On, like, masculinity in Canadian hockey. Um, mm -hmm. Guess who 
absolutely love staying up till 1am doing that. Me. So you can get that. Yeah. So the two of us are going to put some stuff together. Some of it will be like that. Some of it will just be like funny memes. So get on it. So yeah, let's uh, move on. We're going to talk about an actually good ladies night. Yeah. So this happened a little while ago, so it's kind of old news by now, but Well, it was announced a while ago, but basically the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be hosting a Hockey for Her event during Hockey is for Everyone month in February. And we were actually kind of weirdly impressed with the stuff that they're offering, apparently. I've got the announcement right here, and it says that there's going to be an opening cocktail reception. The women get to enter the arena as if they were players on game night through the private player entrance and out onto the ice. There will also be a Flyers alumni panel. There's going to be a Flyers female broadcasters Q&A, a women in sports panel with Flyers front office executives. I don't know how many of those there are, or I mean how many women there are in the Flyers front office, but I'm sure that would be really interesting. There's the most controversial part, a panel discussion with the significant others of executives, coaches, and players. I do like the use of the word significant others instead of wives and girlfriends. Thank you, Flyers, for that inclusive (laughs) language. That was nice. Also, an appearance by Gritty, which, as we have established in this podcast, would be worth the money all on its own. (laughs) And it also says special experiences include on-ice shot-on-goal opportunities, locker room tours, as well as special photo opportunities, and more. So, when this was first announced, a lot of people were not particularly happy with it. I heard Mm. a lot, I saw a lot of people saying, why aren't there any women's hockey players here? And why are there wives and girlfriends? I think that obviously the NHL should support women's hockey. And we'll talk about that a lot more later in the podcast. But I don't think that the Flyers as an NHL organization should be expected to bring in players from a different league. I think that they might risk sending the message of, this league isn't for you, but here's a league that is, which would be a much more accurate slogan than hockey is for everyone, (laughs) but might not send the message, the right message, right? Yeah. And yeah, the wives and girlfriends being included, I'm kind of on the fence about because I think that there is a place for that. I think that the wives and girlfriends do have interesting stuff to say. Like, it must be fascinating their lives, right? Like, I would love to hear about these significant others, but I don't like the message that's being sent by them being at a ladies' night, because it's kind of like, mm. what do women want to see wives and girlfriends? What What's it like to be in a relationship with a hockey player? That doesn't quite sit right with me. Yeah. Um, but overall, like, I thought... It was actually pretty cool um, compared to other ladies' nights that I've seen. It was a lot less condescending than most of them. Like, it's not Mm. perfect, obviously, but I find that whenever the NHL tries to reach out to women, it's kind of... The message is sort of like, no women like hockey. No women understand hockey. We have to tap into this completely new market. How can we get women to like hockey? We need you know, a Hockey 101 panel and pink jerseys and pink everything. Yeah. And that's not 
really what we want so yeah i definitely um agree with you i was also a little bit uncomfortable about the sort of significant others panel on the one hand i think it is quite fascinating because obviously as the significant other of a hockey player a lot of your life revolves around their career um especially considering that you move around a lot your schedule's really weird you know it can be hard to to build a traditional career kind of mm-hmm. um given those circumstances and so a lot of these women are very very involved in hockey and sort of the organization i don't think this is necessarily the time or the space to do this mm-hmm. um i do personally like i do find it quite interesting to get that perspective. Julie Turris, actually, the wife of Carl Turris, who used to play for the Ottawa Senators and is now playing for the Nashville Predators, she uh, just launched a podcast called yeah, the Ida that. and Julie podcast. It's very interesting. It's obviously not super critical because it's kind of like supported by the Nashville Predators, mm-hmm. but it's fascinating to hear these women talk about their lives and they talk yeah. to different women who are involved in the organization and kind of discuss you know just how kind of like their entire lives are really centered around hockey in many ways so um it is fascinating but i think in this specific setting we should be focusing more on women who actually work and build their careers around hockey instead of people Mm -hmm. who um are kind of just part of it because they're married to players or partnered with players i i feel like they should focus more on kind of showing the fans that they already have that they appreciate them because we often don't feel very appreciated yeah and i think that if the nhl and the flyers are trying to attract new fans who are women the reason that women aren't watching hockey isn't because they have never seen a hockey game in their life and they have no idea that hockey can be fun it's because they don't feel like hockey is a welcoming environment for women, at least in my experience from like talking to a lot of women who don't like hockey because they're like, oh, that's such a male-dominated space. Why would you put yourself through that? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to waste my time with hockey when it's so misogynistic and so racist and homophobic, right? Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, the way to attract women to hockey isn't to be like, this is what offside means. It's to say, <laughs> hey, come and have this fun night, meet other women who are hockey fans, learn about all the women who are in hockey. I don't know, meet the players, have, you know, see this alumni panel and stuff, right? Like, enjoy hockey fandom because we're going to create a space for women to just enjoy hockey. Yeah, and I think also having a sort of night that's kind of dedicated to female hockey fans is really nice because going to hockey play hockey games, sorry, it's not obviously like I love going to hockey games, but it's not always a positive experience for women. Mm-hmm. You can feel very uncomfortable and at times unsafe just because of the nature of men getting very aggressive at games mm-hmm. um, and saying some pretty misogynistic stuff yep so you know you you're giving women like a night where they know that they're going to be comfortable and that's not going to necessarily happen i also absolutely love that they're having female broadcasters there yeah for sure like hockey sort of broadcasts have really evolved over recent years there's a lot more female broadcasters and that obviously really changes the way that news is um, not just presented, but also kind of researched just because of the fact that, you know, we are treated differently in society. 
uh, we have a different perspective on things. And that's why diversity is so important and also just so beneficial to everything, really. And so I think it's really great to really kind of showcase and support and celebrate these women because it is a very recent thing. Same with the panel with the female executives. You know, being a woman who is building her career in the front office of an NHL team or as a like broadcaster that is a quite new thing and these women probably had to break down some barriers to get where they are and getting the opportunity to ask them questions and listen to them talk about their experiences is really really cool like i i would love to get that opportunity personally yeah for sure so on that note what would we like to see from a sens ladies night if the sens were to do something like this Oh boy. Okay, so one thing that I've mentioned in the previous episode as well is that I would love, love, love um, for them to invite women from the community who are like either um, people who run charities or community organizers to kind of present what they're doing and to talk about what they're doing because, you know, we do have like every single senator's game, a veteran is on it, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to give community organizers and women who are so nurturing and so strong and really uh, making our communities better the opportunity to show what they're doing and to be celebrated for that as well and then same as with the flyers i mean i would love to see female broadcasters and women who work in the front office for me personally it doesn't just have to be executives i think if any level that you're working on in an nhl team you're probably a minority if you're a woman yeah for sure and so your experience is valid and important and I want to hear about it, you know? Yeah, I'd also love for them to do special stuff for girls hockey teams, like yes. just OGHA or GCGHA, Canada Rangers, all the other hockey leagues that are in Ottawa and kind of in the Ottawa area, competitive and house league. I don't know if you could like give them discounts or just have special stuff for them a chance to like skate on the ice i don't yeah. know what they would do but involving girls hockey in some way and getting involved in girls hockey i think would do a lot to grow the game and to make people feel appreciated make girls especially feel appreciated I think, and I've mentioned this to you before, what would be really fun, we have two universities in Ottawa, we have two yeah. universities with wonderful female hockey teams. You know, if we could have like maybe a short, like all-star style, 20 minute game, mm -hmm. three on three, just to like see them play, I think that would be so much fun. It would also draw a crowd in terms of like university students, I think. Yeah. Because as someone who goes to U Ottawa, like we love to compete with Carlton. <laughs> um, and I would love to see the girls play on this big ice, you know, how exciting that would be to see them in CTC instead of just like the university rink. I think that would be just really fun and like a really cool experience for everyone. Yeah, I find that whenever teams try to market to girls, it's always very, very young girls. Yeah. And I would say that the peak of my hockey fandom was when I was a teenager and that was probably the point where I felt the least welcome in hockey fandom mm. because I felt like I was the last person on, I, I wasn't, but you know, I was like the last demographic on the list of demographics that they were trying to appeal to. And I yeah, think absolutely. that marketing to teenage girls is a good marketing decision, regardless of what you're marketing, because you will never find a group of people who are more passionate about something who are willing to dedicate so much time and energy to something and i feel like if generally the senators could do some cool stuff for 
the teenagers in um, in the crowd. Like, invite Bantam and Midget teams, not just novice teams, because it kind of feels like once you get past a certain age, the hockey teams stop caring about you, you know? Yeah. Also, have, like, a female band playing or, like, a female musician. Yes be so dope there are so many incredible musicians in ottawa Mm -hmm. and like even if it was like a smaller band i mean it's so easy to find incredible female musicians in this city literally take five minutes Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) google and just like yeah i think that you're absolutely right about engaging teenage girls teenage girls definitely have a lot of passion to give Mm -hmm. things i was a teenage twilight fan i know these things (laughs) i Um, was a teenage fan of so many things including (laughs) the sons yeah i mean same um but actually i don't know if i got into the sons until my 20s who cares it's fine age is fake anyway um but the fact that you know that's a really untapped market i think is you're absolutely right about that and as a girl especially as a teenage girl it's always kind of weird because you're navigating this like new womanhood that you're expected to kind of like walk into and so when it comes to hockey it's always really weird because you feel like you kind of have to like uh, I'm trying to put this in a not so gross term but like bro Mm -hmm. it up (laughs) yeah I Um, I definitely went through that you totally have to like speak and act in a more male coded way to Mm -hmm. feel kind of welcome which is icky and also have you met teenagers these days? Like, they're so woke. Like, teenagers these days are incredible. And it just gets I better every teens. year. Like, even looking at teenagers now, and I am I am still technically a teenager, but I mean, like, middle schoolers now. Oh and I'm God. not that far removed from that. And I'm like, this is so different from even when I was in middle school. And, like, at the same school, even. Teens are, like, so freaking cool these days. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you could get teen girls and queer people to view hockey as something that is not a space that is unsafe for them and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for them, that would be incredible. And I'd love to see that. And, like, I I keep saying this, but teens these days are so freaking cool. Like, (laughs) I love and respect. Absolutely. I would would love to see that. That's a really great point. Okay, so... Are you ready for Mascot Minute? <laughs> Is anyone ready for Mascot Minute? Mm, I don't think so. I am so ready for this. <laughs> I was so born ready. You can consider the first installment of Mascot Minute as kind of a prologue. Mm. This is the real story. This one does not contain sexual content, but if you generally find the mascot minute upsetting... Or offensive. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you can skip ahead one minute. Here we go. The NHL All-Star Weekend was always a little much for Sparty. It was exhilarating being in the spotlight and surrounded by so many mascots. It was exciting to think of what might happen once the cameras turned off. But it was also terrifying. He wished he could be confident like the others. Wished he wasn't the type of mascot who ran off to hide in empty hallways because he needed to be away from the crowd for a little while. Someone was coming. He looked up, expecting an NHL official who would tell him to get back to work. But the figure that appeared at the end of the hall was not human. It was a mascot. It was gritty. I was looking for you, the other mascot growled, closing the distance between them with remarkable speed and reaching out to caress Sparty's face. I've been dying to get my paws in that beautiful beautiful mane of yours. Spartacat could hardly breathe. There was no way this was real. No way Gritty of all the mascots was looking at him like that. His fingers trembled as he tentatively reached over to touch Gritty's mane. It's nothing compared to yours, he whispered. Before he even knew what was happening, Gritty's lips were on his. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we read these, I'm like 
dying inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a pleasure. You guys are all very welcome. I'm very excited to see where this relationship goes. Me personally. too. And reminder that if you want more mascot content, you can support us on Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash the Samalican life. Um, thank you. <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about the All-Stars weekend and most specifically about the women's hockey during this All-Stars weekend. So, as I'm sure you have all seen, there were a few women invited to the NHL All-Stars skills competition. They were kind of there to just demonstrate the skills. There was Kendall Coyne Schofield, Brianna Decker, Renata Fast, and Rebecca Johnston. And Kendall Coyne actually ended up competing in the fastest skater competition because Nathan McKinnon was injured, I believe, so he couldn't participate. Mm -hmm. And he decided to let her compete in his stead. And I think that was a historic moment. That was She was the first woman yeah. to compete in an NHL All-Stars competition, which was really, really cool. It was so cool to see the NHL finally kind of acknowledging women's hockey and supporting female hockey players. It was amazing to see these women on national television competing with men, that said, we had some issues with the way that the NHL handled this. There were a lot of problems. For one, the way that the broadcasters talked about Kendall Coyne Schofield was not great. Pierre Maguire at one point kind of grabbed her hips inappropriately as he was moving behind her. He also told her that nobody wants to lose to her, which is just kind of a shitty thing to say to someone. And it's pretty clear what he was implying there. Mm. Generally, everyone on the Sportsnet broadcast was just absolutely shook that women can play hockey. They were like, oh my goodness, this moment has saved women's hockey. This is, <laughs> you know, the biggest thing that has ever happened. I can't believe that Kendall Coyne Schofield can skate. Can you, did you know, Poppy, that women can no. skate? Um, especially not someone like Kendall Coyne Schofield, who's like literally an Olympic player. <laughs> yeah, like... How how shocking. It was not shocking to anyone who has ever watched women's hockey. <laughs> yeah. And um, so yeah. to sort of explain, the big thing was that usually, or like in this case at least, the female hockey players were invited to demonstrate their skills mm -hmm. during the skills competition. So what would happen would be that this was not broadcast. The only person who was during the broadcast was Kendall Coyne Schofield. And that was because she was officially competing in the competition since she was taking the place of a male participant. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, what they would do is that they would do the challenge in the skills competition before the competition. And that wasn't broadcast, like we didn't see it. And one of those people was Brianna Decker, who absolutely crushed it during the passing competition and actually ended up completing it in a time that was faster than the winner of the competition, according to video footage that yeah somebody in the crowd was filming it on their phone and yeah. according to that footage i think her time was one minute and three seconds or six seconds something like that it was just way above anyone else um, yeah. like i actually have it right here leon dreisaitl won with one minute and nine seconds the next best was one minute and 18 there was like mm. 158 217 125 147 134 so yeah <laughs> that was really really impressive 
I will say for anyone who watches women's hockey, who has played hockey with girls and with boys, a woman beating a man at passing is like the least surprising thing <laughs> come out of this weekend. Yeah, if there was one skill that I would expect women to completely destroy men at, it would definitely be passing. <laughs> yeah, I remember... I played girls hockey, but I would do camps and clinics with boys, and Mm. it was completely ridiculous. Like, the boys would just kind of send the puck vaguely in the direction of their teammate and then expect their teammate to, like, bend over backwards and show this amazing stick work and footwork to collect this puck. And it was, like, very impressive, but also you can't pass. And I remember that they would get mad at me for not mm. picking up their passes and I was like you're right next to me and you sent this into my feet like yeah come on. also during that competition uh part of it was to do saucer passes holy heck she was amazing yeah she did it like I think she did like three within five tries or something like that it was absurd like it was really really good I mean she mm. was incredible I personally believe that it was one minute and six seconds mm. I think that the NHL is being shady by saying it wasn't. Yeah, the NHL afterwards came out and said, um, actually, we timed it and it was one minute and 12 seconds, which would put her in second place. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know, but it was, like, odd and obviously, because this wasn't broadcast, but the video was put online and so mm-hmm. a lot of people saw it and they were like, honestly, she won the competition. Give her the 25k that the winner would get. And so, overnight, the hashtag paydecker was trending and then ccm actually stepped up so if yeah you've ever played hockey or you've ever even like watched a game you'll see that ccm is one of the biggest sort of suppliers of hockey gear and um they announced that they'll be giving her twenty five thousand, which is again the amount of money that the winner of this skills competition would have gotten or did get mm-hmm. and that's obviously a good move for their branding um and for them in terms of publicity but honestly i don't care like give her the money she deserves it yeah well and the thing is too that twenty five thousand dollars really isn't a lot for an nhl player Mm -hmm. like leon dreisaitl the guy who won the competition he makes nine million dollars a year that's just pocket change for him yeah whereas women's hockey players don't make much money playing hockey like brianna decker makes a pretty good amount of money because she plays for USA Hockey, Mm -hmm. so she does get money from them, but from the CWHL, she is making way under $25,000 in a whole season. Like, I think the maximum is $10,000 a year for the CWHL, and most players do not get that much. Like, they they have to buy their own sticks, basically. Absolutely. It's really, really unfair. And then also, after the skills competition, the NHL announced that they would be donating $25,000 to the charity of the choice of each of the women who participated in the skills competition, which, you know, was a nice move for the NHL. I'm glad that they're donating money to charity and everything. Like, that's not bad. But it was kind of insulting that they didn't give this like massive amount of money that could make such a big difference in the lives of these women they didn't actually give it to the women they Mm. were like no we're gonna give it like we have this money but we're gonna give it to charity instead when they actually gave the nhl players who don't need this money 
$25,000. Yeah, just to sort of go back to that, like uh, CWHL players get between two and $10,000 mm-hmm. a year. And it's essentially just to like help them cover the costs of playing professional hockey. Hockey gear is extremely expensive. And this has only been since like 2017. 2017, I think it was the 2017, 2018 um season that they were paid for the first time so we're thinking like someone like brianna decker or pretty much everybody in the cwhl who's been playing for a while has only been paid for like this the second year getting paid i mean yeah this Mm -hmm. is the second season getting paid even if she gets the highest amount of money from the cwhl twenty five thousand is more than double her salary i mean that's incredible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's sort of insulting more than anything yeah yeah for sure i think also what the nhl is doing with this sort of giving the money to charity is kind of damage control without entirely stepping down so they're not saying Mm -hmm. you're right you won the skill competition instead they're saying well our time is different which like i don't really Mm -hmm. buy and they kind of Obviously, like it's sort of embarrassing if a third party steps in and is like, we're going to give her the 25000 And I think mm-hmm. more than anything, this is a bit of a PR move. Again, money for charity is yeah. always great. It's always wonderful. But the way they handled this was not ideal. And yeah, it was just not, not cute. <laughs> yeah, it just seems weird that they give money to players who don't need it and then donate the money to charity for the players who actually do need it and i feel like it could go the other way although i think i did see someone on twitter recently say that like if players were able to just play for a charity they'd probably choose like the worst ones yeah their politics so like i don't know i still feel like yeah they they should have given these women the money and they could do with it what they wanted absolutely and um it it could have really been quite influential or at least you know beneficial for their careers to have a little bit of extra money because as we keep saying you know women's hockey players are incredible i mean Mm -hmm. absolutely amazing the thing is you know brianna decker blew it everyone away like all the women blew everyone away but brianna decker literally just casually won a competition yeah she wasn't even trying like she didn't she wasn't being timed or anything no it was totally casual it was just yeah i'm gonna demonstrate this and then she beat the men and she she during the cwhl all-stars i believe didn't even win one of the skills Mm -hmm. competitions so we're talking women out there in the cwhl who at least at this moment in time can play even better and who are so incredibly skilled and who are earning a fraction what NHL pe- uh, players earn. And mm-hmm. there are people in the sub- CWHL who have day jobs um, because they're not making a living wage. And, you know, aside from the obvious of, you know, like hockey gear, we're also talking, you know, like physiotherapy. I mean, NHL players have access to the greatest doctors and physiotherapists and massage therapists Mm -hmm. and everything pretty much in the entire world whereas um, cwhl players are kind of relying on additional income and whatever is covered by your health plan (laughs) yeah and you know people were talking a lot about women's hockey teams being beaten by low-level men's teams and stuff as if that was a proof that women couldn't play hockey. But what I kept thinking of is that we've all sort of collectively acknowledged that modern hockey players or modern NHLers 
are much better at hockey than the NHLers of a few decades ago. And that's not biology, that's resources, right? Mm -hmm. That's training. That's us figuring out how to train amazing players in a really effective way. And I don't know why people can't understand that if women just had the same training as men, they would probably be a lot better than they are now. Like, if we gave women's hockey the resources that we give men's hockey, it would improve a lot. And even just, I mean, seeing right now women with way less access to resources and specific training and, you know, like very personal health services Mm -hmm. are still competing at the same level as the best NHL players and killing it. And this obviously sparked a big conversation about whether or not women should be playing in the NHL. So the last time that there was a woman, and the only time there was a woman playing in the NHL was Manon Riom, and mm-hmm. she played a couple of games for the Lightning. It was in the 90s. It wasn't just before my hockey fan time, it was literally before my time. Um, yeah. Because I think it was 92. Oh, wow. And so that, I'm sure at the time, seemed like this revolutionary, you know, incredibly impactful moment, and then nothing came of it. And so how you're saying that, like, you know, when these things happen every time it's kind of like sort of stated that this is saving the women's hockey game and you know now suddenly everybody's gonna love women's hockey i think that it's very influential i think it's very impactful and i think it's important to see people who look like you on the ice and competing at the same level as like literally some of the greatest hockey players of our time and holding their own i think that has a massive impact um especially on young girls but unfortunately like the odds are at least at the moment very much stacked against women and then of course we Mm -hmm. saw like the la kings for example sort of like tweeting and joking about signing kendall coin which was uh. (laughs) yeah i think the coyotes also did that it was just this joke of like oh we're writing up a contract right now and you know they're not no like how funny would how funny would it be if we signed a woman lol Um, so that was like obviously a bit icky but at the same time I think this wasn't all bad I think it was actually amazing I loved seeing these women compete I loved seeing people being blown away by their skill I loved seeing the conversation about whether or not women should be playing in the NHL because at the end of the day a lot of people were realizing that women are clearly capable like very very capable and for sure I love the idea that there is a future for co-ed teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. I think that would be wonderful. And I think that women could really, like, positively influence the game. Yeah, I think that often women in the NHL is kind of used as a way to uh, derail the conversation about women's sports. Mm -hmm. Like, when you say, oh, go watch women's hockey, people say, oh, but are they as good as the men? Oh, but they could never compete against the men? All Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And I kind of say well, it shouldn't matter whether they compete against the men or not, whether they can compete against men or not. We should just appreciate women's hockey because women's hockey is really great. And I remember um, even when I was playing girls hockey and there was a big controversy about girls hockey being way more expensive than boys hockey because boys got priority for all the public rinks and Mm. girls have to pay for private ice to practice. And one of my coaches, or I think former coaches even at the time, 
had done interviews and was writing about this and everyone kept saying why are we funding girls hockey when girls could play boys hockey like just play boys hockey which is very very big oversimplification of the problem like i think girls hockey is absolutely necessary and Mm. i think that we should also support women's hockey but at the same time i also think that women should be allowed to play in the nhl and i think that women would improve NHL hockey a lot because they bring a much more skilled, much less physical game. Mm -hmm. And I think that just like having European players come to Canada, come to North America to play and bringing, again, more skilled, less physical hockey has, in my opinion at least, improved hockey a lot. I think that having women in the NHL would do a lot for that too. Absolutely. And like I've been doing a lot of reading about Um, the violence in hockey and like sort of the perception of violence in Canadian hockey because the difference between European and Canadian hockey is becoming less and less measurable at least in like terms of you know um, violence and hits and stuff like that as the NHL becomes more conscious of the long-term health impacts and just the fact that Mm -hmm. it's pretty messed up to be playing a sport that's mostly about beating each other up um yeah so especially yeah with uh, european players coming into the game because they had been trained more in sort of playing with skill rather than just playing a more aggressive game uh that clearly changed the game and you know like 20 30 years ago people were making fun of european players for wearing helmets and visors which is that's so absurd (laughs) and it was like oh like these european players they can't play at the same level or they can't play well in the nhl because they're soft and now Mm -hmm. we're seeing an evolution towards skilled fast you know players who who are better at puck handling and stuff like that which is wonderful and also this argument that nhl hockey would be too dangerous for women is really absurd considering a there are male players who um are around the same size as female players like yeah and sure. also hockey if it's too dangerous for women it's also too dangerous for men honestly like we yeah. have both current and retired players with devastating brain damage with horrifying pain i mean just like the amount of suffering that comes from um playing a, a sport too aggressively Mm-hmm. is is immense and it impacts not just the player but it impacts hockey culture and it impacts the players families and their communities and you know it's a huge thing so i do believe in you know making hockey more diverse and more inclusive and i don't i don't buy this idea that women aren't tough enough to be honest mm-hmm. i don't think i a don't think anyone's truly tough enough and b think that <laughs> women can be just as tough as men yeah there's sort of this idea of women as these like tiny frail things that will just get absolutely destroyed by Mm -hmm. men if they play in the nhl and i think the biological differences between women and men are not that significant like they're not big enough that your game can be too dangerous for women but not too dangerous for men like i think if you're worried about women getting seriously injured in the nhl you should also be worried about men getting seriously injured in the nhl and hopefully that hopefully including women would encourage nhl hockey to be less violent and i think that would be really really good for nhl hockey but in the meantime like i've definitely been guilty of not watching enough women's hockey and Mm -hmm. 
this was kind of a good refresher as to why I love it so much and why women's hockey is so great because it's less physical and more skill and as I've mentioned before every time I see like a very skilled shot or like an interesting maneuver like my heart races a little bit I love seeing this like Mm -hmm. to me superhuman skill because I'm a very clumsy person (laughs) so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. seeing people handle the puck so elegantly and so skillfully it's so fun to watch and so this is definitely a reminder to watch some freaking like CWHL hockey and speaking of which there was the CWHL all-star weekend as well um yeah and it was okay (laughs) yeah well I watched it it was fun like I really really enjoy the CWHL all-star weekend the all-star game is really fun because the players actually care um the performances are amazing like the problem is definitely not the players in this case. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I did have some issues with the Sportsnet broadcast mm-hmm. playing into our theme of this segment. Well, there were kind of a few weird things that happened. Like, it wasn't just the sports the Sportsnet broadcast. For one, the press was not treated very well at the CWHL All-Star Weekend. There was no press box at the game, which I don't understand why that was the case. Yeah. I think it was MLSC who made that decision. I don't know, but it was just kind of weird. And the journalists who came to cover the game had to, of course, pay out of pocket to get to Toronto, which is normal, but it's not great. They got free tickets, but they didn't have assigned seats. So they actually had to relocate whenever people claimed their seats. So they were kind of moving around in the arena. And of course, they didn't have a working environment. So they were understandably not too happy about that. It was just kind of weird that the CWHL like wasn't treating them that well, considering that there really aren't very many media outlets that are willing to cover their sport, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And most of the people who came to cover the sport weren't professional journalists. These were bloggers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why they were having to pay out of pocket. Like, it wasn't the news outlet that was paying for them. It wasn't the league that was paying for them. They had to pay for this. And most of them are doing this for free or for very little money just because they love women's hockey so much. So it kind of, it seems weird that the CWHL was kind of treating them weirdly, treating them badly, I mean. Mm. Yeah, because as the broadcast showed, we really, really need these people to cover women's hockey and not the people at Sportsnet because the broadcast was not great. They had... A bunch of former, like, retired hockey players. I don't even remember who. I think it was, like, Glenn Healy and maybe Ray Ferraro. I don't even remember as <laughs> guest coaches for the All-Star Game, which just didn't make sense to me. Like, why not have women? And Sportsnet pretty much exclusively talked to them mm. whenever they were, you know, going to the benches to talk to people, which was just really weird. Like, as a women's hockey fan, why the hell do I want to hear from these guys? I want to hear from the women, you know? And they also made a lot of kind of uncomfortable jokes about the cash prize or the prizes that were awarded to the women. I don't even remember how they were awarded. I think it was, like, the MVP or something, but they kept advertising the $300 that were being given out um, after the game, which just didn't sit very well with me because the league is very famous for not paying its players well, and they kept saying stuff like, oh, this one's really cheap, 
she really wants that you know that's her real motivation well yeah obviously she wants the money she kind of yeah. needs it you know and also like three hundred dollars in comparison to you know the nhl all-star yeah <laughs> um money like it's kind of like pathetic but you know when you're paying a lot of things out of pocket to play hockey mm-hmm. and you're not making a lot of money like it's really insulting to laugh about how you know these women want those meager 300 dollars. you know mm-hmm. but yeah. that can buy you some new hockey gear good lord like for sure god forbid you actually yeah. you know need to invest in your career <laughs> yeah i think what these two weekends really showed us is that we just really need more women covering women's sports. Like, I think it would, I think that these media outlets have a lot of power in shaping public opinion toward women's hockey. I hear a lot of people say, like, I would watch women's hockey if it was ever available. I just never see anything about it. And I agree, like, you have to seek it out. You have to look for it. Maybe once this goes up, I might retweet an old thread or something about places where you can watch women's hockey and get Mm. your women's hockey coverage because like you have to look for it yeah but you can actually like get free streams of all the cwhl games yeah the nwhl literally streams all their games on twitter Mm. (laughs) like how amazing (laughs) is that (laughs) it's really great and yeah i just think it would be really nice if you know organizations like sportsnet could just like hire someone to write about women's hockey, you know, and just Absolutely, yeah. have regular coverage of women's leagues. You have coverage of so many random sports. Like, just yeah, invest in women's hockey, and I think that that would be really beneficial to the game. I think it would, it would uh, not just grow the game, but also kind of um, give people a better idea of women's hockey, mm-hmm. um, and also just be, like, really good for the CWHL and the NWHL, because obviously these mm-hmm. women's hockey leagues need to grow in order to get more resources so that they can actually pay their players a fair and living wage, which right now mm-hmm. is impossible. And, um, yeah, just, I don't want to see any more garbage broadcasters, like, talking down to women and yeah. clearly having no idea about women's hockey like just hire someone who knows if you if you're reporting on the cwhl all-stars for the weekend hire someone who blogs about it Mm -hmm. like do something make it a decent broadcast of the event give like female hockey players the respect so i think what we've seen this weekend and the past weekend is really just that women's hockey is sick women are amazing Mm -hmm. Women are incredible. They can compete at the same level as male hockey players. The way that they're treated and reported on is not so great. But related to that, we're awarding Big Rig Energy of the week slash two weeks. (laughs) Since this podcast comes out every two weeks. And we're giving it to Brianna Decker. Yes. An American. I know. Still, we love her. She plays She she plays in Canada. It's fine. Yeah. She plays <laughs> um, for me in Inferno. And yeah, she deserves it. Pay her. She was amazing. And she just, she just proved that, like, without even trying, she could beat everyone. So uh, that's pretty much wrapping it up for the week. Um, thank you for listening to this Amal Lincoln Life. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at CoolCatMum, Mum with a U. And I'm at CBeataE. If you don't know how to spell it, I will put it in the description or something. I will do that, yeah. <laughs> and you can also email us at thisamalnikanlife at gmail.com. 
fun, we got an email address. And this week the music is Collapse by the Ottawa band Novu Solus. And they'll actually be playing a show on February 3rd at Irene's Pub on Bank Street. And it's part of Tarek Anwar, aka Twitter, Sense Twitter legend, aka fellow Sense Twitter fan, aka son of Feroz Anwar, our king. Um, he's got a Sunday night residency at Irene's throughout the month of February. Check it out. Definitely check out Novu Solis. They're amazing. And um, our artwork is by Lena Novi and Angus Fitzgerald Clark. And for bonus content, please find us at patreon.com slash thisamelnikinlife. You can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, and it would also be a huge help if you could rate us and review us on iTunes. Yeah, it really helps people find the podcast if there are a few reviews. So even if you just type I Love Gritty in the review, (laughs) it will help our podcast actually show up earlier in the searches. No, just type that you like Louie, her cat. Yeah, tell Louie hi. (laughs) Do something like that. All right, so thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.